Tonight on the show, we don't believe in success, but we do believe in caterpuppies. It's House 2, the second story. My guest is Corey. This is Manic Movie Monday. Tonight on the show, we're digging up our great, great grandfather and talking to some caterpuppies, some crystal skulls, and Bill, the electrician. It's House <laughs> 2, the second story. And my guest tonight is my dear friend, my supporter, one of the most awesome dudes I know, and I'm so happy to have him from Podcasting After Dark, Corey. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. I know uh, Zach has beaten me to it, maybe even twice over at this point. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate uh, you having me on here to talk about a movie that that I just I adore, and I can't wait to to dig into it. So cool. Okay, so what is your background with this movie? So I'll come out right right at the top and say, I am aware that House One is a better movie. I, I think that it's a better film. Um, I think it's a more concise film. Like it has more of a straight path to it. Um, and I think it's a fun film. I think uh, House One is so much fun. Uh, I think it's also a little scary too, not gonna lie to you. This one, House Two, is such a departure. Uh, I think it's a nice, you know, entry level horror movie. I might actually show my nephew this, uh, you know, one of these days and, and whatnot. But me personally, it hits two criteria that I just fucking love. Uh, one, it's a be- it's a best friend movie. You got uh, Jesse and Charlie, uh, yes. Ari Gross and uh, Jonathan Stark. And then it's also a grandpa adventure movie, which I love grandpa adventure movies. Um, so for me personally, I grew up as a latchkey kid in the 80s, such a typical childhood now when, when we all look back on it. Divorced parents, uh, lived with my mom. She had to work. So she you know, didn't get home till like five o'clock at night. So growing up in ele- like elementary school and middle school, my grandfather, her dad would be there every morning when I woke up at the house because he only lived like a few miles away. And then you'd be there every afternoon at the house. And, you know, yeah, I had friends like my buddy Luke and whatnot, but my grandpa was kind of my best friend during like that time period. And, and him and I just thick as thieves. And uh, mm. so because of that, I just, I love grandpa, grandkid, you know, adventure movies, obviously like, you know, up is falls into that category. And of course it made me cry. Uh. Um, but this, but this one, this one does too. And I really, yeah. enjoy the 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 Jesse Jesse relationship and I also enjoy Gramps's relationship with Charlie. I like how he has his own little relationship there as well. So for me it's really about the relationships in this movie that I enjoy. Wow. I love that. I love I love that you said that. Yeah, this was one of those movies that I grew up watching and um I just thought it was so adorable. Yeah, House 1 scared the piss out of me. So <laughs> When I was a kid, I remember seeing House One and just being utterly terrified, uh, you know, and, and not really understanding like the whole Vietnam thing. And and the, that's a much deeper movie than people give it credit for. Yeah. But House Two is pretty much this kind of like hodgepodge of adventure and some comedy, but really it is about those relationships. It is absolutely about the relationship between the two Jessies and, and between Charlie and, 
and Jesse. And um, it's just, it's just a great movie. I just, you were talking about like probably showing it to your nephew someday and everything like that. And yeah, it it's, a, it's almost like a kid's movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, in the but, best possible ways. Yeah. Like, cause it's creature heavy and and it's just a very sweet film in general. It is. It's it's you know? lighthearted. It's light on on the scares, which you know nowadays, like at this age now, I could it could be a little bit scarier. I could have gone for you know a little bit more, but for what it is, you know, it, it's it's a kids it's a kids movie disguised as a horror adventure film. To be honest with you, and it is funny because you do mention how heavy the first story is no pun intended house to the second story <laughs> um house one is because not only are you are you dealing with uh william katz you know trauma from from vietnam and and you know getting his friend big ben killed and all this kind of stuff but you're also dealing with his son going missing and and the the fact that his relationship with his wife devolved because of that and everything yep. and it's and so Real quick, my my wife and I, we did a house one, house two double feature like less than a month ago, just randomly. Wow. Um, so we watched them both the same night back to back. And and tonally, yeah, the first one is is so heavy compared to the second one, but yet somehow they feel like they're they're like in the same universe, they feel like they're a part of the same thing, the same way American Horror Story season one to season two even though they're not connected, still somehow feel like there's, there's tendrils connecting them, you know, like there's some connectivity there. Yeah. Yeah. So this cast, wow. You know, we've got a lot of people in this movie. So we've got Ari Gross as Jesse. And I know most people know him from Ellen and soul man and the experts is another one. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Zach's uh, Zach from Two Dollar Late Fee and my co-host on podcasting after dark. I, th- I think he's interviewed him before, but um, he loves uh, the experts. Is, is the experts. One that he's, he's a always, big yeah yeah he's a big fan of that. But actually, one of my favorite um, Ari Gross movies is called The Opposite Sex and How to Live with Them. Oh, okay. okay, and it has him, Courtney Cox, uh, Julie Brown from MTV. Mm-hmm. And and Kevin Pollack. And it's a very like well-written, you know, kind of slice of life, rom-com, but kind of cynical. But <laughs> but and, and he's still working to today. I oh, mean, yeah. he's, he's still like working on Better Call Saul and the rookie mm-hmm. and like you know how to get away with murder and whatnot. He was even on Glow, which was a great show. Sad that, that got uh, canceled. I know so. I miss Glow so much. Still- Still heartbroken by Still that. Still upset about that. Still <laughs> upset about Glow. <laughs> but Oy. I, my wife is such a huge Friends fan that now for me, Ari Gross is always going to be associated with that episode where Rachel finds yes. out that Ross, you know, because she goes out to dinner with him. Uh-huh. And, and she goes, are you having a good time? And he goes, yes, but it's because for the last hour and a half, I've been playing the movie Diner in my head. <laughs> yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, he, and he's great in that too. But yeah, and he's he's great in this. I, I love Ari Gross, to be honest with you. I oh, love yeah. him just as much as Jonathan Stark. And I think they, they have a nice uh, uh, rapport together in this. They really do. Yeah. So you mentioned Jonathan Stark as Charlie. Um, most genre friends will know him from Fright Night, mm-hmm. you know, um, but he was also a writer on Ellen. Yes. And, and he, no idea. And 
And he uh, uh, co-created, um, according to Jim, uh, that movie, that TV show with uh, Jim Belushi. Um, mm-hmm. I, Zach and I actually interviewed Jonathan Stark. You can uh, listen to that on the Podcasting After Dark uh, feed, anywhere you find, you know, your, your podcasts at. Um, and we talk about, you know, Fright Night. We talk about, uh, you know, according to Jim and House 2 and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he, you know, he was also a producer on Ellen. So he's been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, he's also a groundling, you know, that's what his background is. So he did nice. a lot of improv in this in this movie. Um, a lot of your listeners will probably not like this, but I'm not a big Fright Night fan, much to Zach's chagrin. I do not care much for that movie, but my absolute favorite part of that movie is Billy Cole, you know, Jonathan Stark's character. That's interesting because you and I share that. Oh, okay, because I've never freaking heard anybody who doesn't like Fright Nights. Fright Nights no. is the holy grail to a lot of people. No. And I'm just like, eh, no. I'm not, I'm not just, that big of a fan. It's not, you know, I I think I'm. it might have a lot to do with the fact that I saw it maybe later. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I didn't have the experience that a lot of a lot of horror fans have when they grow up with it. Um, I met the cast and they're lovely people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not my, <laughs> it's not a, fa- it's not a favorite of mine and I've never seen Fright Night 2, so I can't compare the two, but I, I've seen Fright Night 2 once on, on VHS way back in the day, but like, yeah, Jonathan Stark as Billy Cole in that role. So good. It's so, and it's because, you know, he's obviously playing a Renfield type, you know, character, like a familiar type of thing to a vampire, but right. he brings this weird warmth to it, this, oh, this yeah. warmth and up beatness that anyone else in that role absolutely anyone else i think would have played it more sinister mm-hmm. and that's the wrong way to do it because my takeaway when i watched fright night is everybody should have a friend like billy cole like he's he's the yeah. best friend that you've always wanted he'll die he's, for you he's super loyal and even and even charlie in this movie you know like when we first meet charlie Besides the fact that he's drunk running into a planner in his car um, and bringing a strange woman to someone's house. Um, but he presents his friend with a framed um, cover of this art magazine that he was in. And so there's these little tiny subtle touches in this film um that's that's a bit because it's a bit sweeter than your typical dunce would sort of do like your dunce friend it's like there's this weird heart to it that you're like oh you you actually are probably like that character is probably sensitive and and whatnot you know yeah yeah i I, love i love charlie uh okay so we have lar park lincoln as kate the um the girlfriend i guess she's a girlfriend Um, (laughs) kate aka shoulder pads she's like the worst <laughs> i know i know i know and I, she has to be because they want to set you know uh, jesse up with with she, the, the virgin right, later you know right she has to be disposable basically yeah. like she's introduced just so that we can not like her and then when she goes away it's like yeah okay i, I get it yeah you used an interesting word right there. You said disposable. And if this were a horror movie, all the characters that we dislike would have been killed off, like Bill Maher and her and stuff. But no, nope. no one really dies in this movie. No one uh, dies in this movie, except yeah. for which we will spoiler alert it. But, you know, yeah, certain people do. But like, but as far as the main cast goes, you know, it's like, no. A- and for a woman not to die <laughs> in yeah. an 80s horror film. <laughs> that is bananas you know um oh 
And then, of course, we cannot forget Royal Dano as Gramps. Yeah. And he is a uh, he is a Manic Movie Monday alum because he was in Messiah of Evil, which is oh. like our third episode back in the no mic days. Uh, <laughs> but, but he's just wonderful. He was in 13 episodes of Gunsmoke. Yeah. And I know him really as the voice of Abe Lincoln in the Hall of Presidents at Disney World. Yep, that was uh, that's funny. That was mentioned. I, I have the uh, House Two uh, Arrow Blu-ray, and I was watching the uh, the documentary there, and they mentioned that, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that's funny because I was actually just there like a year ago. I, uh, I always like going through there at Disney at Disneyland. I do. You know? It's that's there's fun. not very much like in Disney World. I haven't been to Disney World in like probably oh god, I don't know, ten years maybe, maybe more than fifteen years. But there are certain things that are just staples in the Disney world, you know, universe that are always there and hopefully, you know, will always stay there, you know? Well, also life hack. A lot of people aren't actually in the hall of presidents looking in it's a seed. So if you're hot, just swing in there and, uh, and go check it out. You know, <laughs> it's never usually that packed. So that's funny. Yeah. I was going to say most people are waiting on yeah. the incredible Hulk roller coaster which probably doesn't even exist anymore i don't think so (laughs) yeah exactly that's how long it's been since aaron's been to disney um but but yeah royal dano is a freaking cowboy royalty essentially oh my god and he he this movie he is under heavy prosthetics yeah he is but he is acting with his eyes mm-hmm. and he yes. does so much acting with his face and it's it's amazing it really is amazing like he evokes all kinds of emotion and i just i just love him i really do he's so cool um amy yazbek as lana also known as puce glitz of puce glitz and the avoiders <laughs> oh my god she's she's fantastic and and she's always hilarious uh, i guess she was married to john ritter right uh, yeah uh, previously she, she actually met john ritter on the set of a movie called problem child which is a movie i absolutely hate <laughs> fucking, bro- <laughs> but, fucking problem child <laughs> but but that is how they met and fell in love. And they ended yeah. up doing three of those movies together. So I, I know. And I, I think I just saw Dawn of the Discs. Like, I think Kino's putting out the, the problem child on Blu-ray. Right. Okay. And, and for a second. Okay. Kino is putting out that. They're also putting out um, Rent-A-Cop with yes, Liza I saw Minnelli. That. I saw that. And, you saw that this morning. <laughs> yes. And, and no Out of the Dark. Nobody yes, will fucking and, touch Out of the Dark. Yeah. But, but they'll also put out Pretty Baby. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm just as appalled as you are. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't either. I, I don't either. I don't get it. Um, and then, oh, and then of course we have Bill Maher in as the um, basically permed cynical a-hole record producer. And in one um, of his earliest roles, uh, you know, like yes. one of his first roles. And it's amazing to me how, just how of a complete package Bill Maher was when he came, when he hit the scene. And by that, I mean, a douchebag, oh, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. he just, he was a fully formed douchebag, douchebag the moment he hit the scene. Yeah. My favorite Bill Maher movie will always be cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. I think he <laughs> is absolutely spot on. Perfect. Shannon Tweed's amazing. Adrian Barbeau's amazing. That movie's fantastic. Like that's on, that's on the, like the short list for me. Um, I, I think I've, I've, I think I probably know that movie mostly 
from you talking about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it's bananas. And, uh, and it was written by the same guy who wrote pretty woman. Yeah. Look at that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, John Ratzenberger. Oh my God. As Bill, Bill Tanner, the electrician, the electrician adventurer. adventurer. Oh my God. So for me, this is always probably the highlight of this movie. Um, I love the fact, I mean, he, he's just doing his John Ratzenberger thing, which is yeah. fine. I, and I love it. Like there's some people who, who's their shtick, like is always their shtick. And, right. and I always love it, you know, and some people know, but John mm-hmm. Ratzenberger always, uh, of course, I grew up watching Cheers and everything, but I did find it interesting on the Blu-ray that he actually auditioned. So this wasn't like written to be some kind of, combo with george went in the first movie you know this wasn't intended to be that but then it it becomes that it becomes this two-part cheers cheers cameo yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god that's great i didn't you know i just like literally was like today years old when i realized i was like george went is in the first one and john rosenberger is in the second one wow that is insane. And, and I love how he's like, ah, you, know, you got yourself a, a, you know, alternate dimension here. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, like, it's just perfect. Seen it before. And these old before. houses. Just before not, he's not phased whatsoever. And I love the fact that like when they're leaving that area, he like beats them out. You know, he's like, all right, guys, well, have a great day. You know, I'm yeah. off to my kids, uh, you know, T-ball or whatever. Yeah, Little game, league. Right? <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's just, you know, I watched this movie with my mom recently and because she she's always very curious as to what we do on the show and she's like well what are you doing this week and I'll tell her and she'll be like okay what's that and I'm like well I don't know we're gonna watch it on Tubi and um and we'll watch it and she's usually just very like fascinated you know by things and she'll look stuff up while she's watching it like she'll IMDB certain actors and stuff oh I know that actor or whatever so when we watched this she thought it was just very sweet Mm -hmm. yeah she did she thought it was just a genuinely like sweet movie and that's kind of how my my wife felt about it too um i think she still leans towards the first one you know Mm -hmm. uh she liked the bit of the horror elements and everything of of the first one and i I can get why i understand why but she she saw the appeal of of part two and was like oh that's that was a nice movie but she was like but not scary at all you know oh no 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 which i think is why we should probably we could show it to children um exactly Rounding out our cameos, uh, Rochelle is played by Mean Mean Jane Modine um, from Spring Break. Yeah, it's funny she doesn't have an IMDb picture. Um, but yeah, I, I always recognize her every time she pops up. You know, I, it was always one of those things where I'm like, where do I know her from? You know, and, and you look at her IMDb and she's been on Cheers. She's been on, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of different. Oh, she was on an episode of Werewolf. Remember that, oh, she uh, that was Fox on your TV show? show. Okay. Yep. <laughs> she was in Less Than Zero as well, a yes, show, a is. movie that you covered. Yes, yes. She plays the girlfriend of Jamie Gertz's father who emerges from a bedroom wiping her mouth yeah. wearing a men's shirt that is cut directly like at her thighs. And she's like, oh, hi, Blair. Yeah. Your dad's inside. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, I, I watched that movie for the first time like last year. <laughs> that is not a feel-good film. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 no. 
no, I, I mean, you know, just from listening to that episode, you know, that like I got exposed to that movie way too early. Um, but, but I really, I, I really love it for a bunch of variety of different reasons. I think had I watched it recently or something like that, I would be mortified. Like it would be like a requiem for a dream situation, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, you had, you had a great discussion on, on that episode. I, I really enjoyed it. And I listened to it. I think, um, oh, I guess I feel like it was close to when maybe I didn't watch the movie a year ago at time. What is time, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, I, I feel like I listened to your episode around the same time, Mom's but it was video. it was a nice back to back. It was a nice back to back. Nice, yeah. Yeah, that's always helpful. Um, and Devin DeVasquez is Playboy Playmate of the Month, nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So per- per- apparently, during mute. her scene, she got uh, knocked unconscious with the uh, the skull got dropped on her head by I think the actor. Uh, oh my gosh! Kind of, yeah, and so it fell on her. Head. That's a, that's a good question. So that skull is actually like pretty. Heavy. Must be. I'm sure it's probably made. Yeah, I'm sure it's made out of. Uh, yeah, not maybe not glass. Maybe it was, but right. I, mean, I think it knocked her out though, and they were right. afraid she oh was going to sue. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. All right. So now we open this movie with a dark mansion and two parents that are getting ready to basically give their child away because they are in danger, and we find out that they are being menaced by a very tall, skeletal-looking cowboy. By the name of Slim, Slim Razor. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Great name, great design. I love his design. Oh, his design is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really really great. Um, I was looking up some information just to see if like the actor had done anything else, and he'd done a lot of like stunt stuff. You know, yeah, uh, other things like that. And, and, and he has a, like crazy a, ears. He's a skinny dude, so you know skinny they can dude. put the the prosthetics on him and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But did you recognize the voice? The voice sounded really familiar, but I didn't. Is it is it Frank Welker? It sure is. Okay. Yeah, and that's I'm not gonna lie to you. I I love Frank Welker. I mean, I grew up on the real Ghostbusters. He's Ray. He's he's every other growly, monstrous voice. I think he was in Gargoyles and everything. But when I hear him as okay, maybe it's actually a good thing when I hear him as Slim and like when Uh Slim's using it's it's like Frank Welker. That's it makes me feel like the movie's a, a Saturday morning cartoon. And, and and at first glance, I was like, I feel like that that hurts the quality of it in my wow. head because I'm like, you know, a movie's a movie, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'm still from that era where like movie stars are movie stars and TV stars are TV stars. But ah. now I'm looking at it and I and I love I love Frank Welker so much that I do think that him voicing slim adds this childlike element to it and kind nice. of as grat like as growly as he's trying to be he's very growly yes <laughs> still it's not that scary though no because it i think frank welker's kind of doing him a little bit more softer than maybe he could have done like a pure evil character or something yeah it's just i think what i guess what i'm trying to say is i think frank ultimately i think frank welker was the right choice and i think frank welker was playing it correctly here and i think mm-hmm. it gives it this Saturday morning cartoon field that I think is perfect. And it could sit next to like the, the, the not real Ghostbusters, but like the, that other Ghostbusters cartoon from back in the day, it has okay. that kind of zaniness to it. Zaniness to it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So, so, so this cowboy is in search of the skull with the glowing eyes. And he decides that he's going to shoot <laughs> this poor couple who just gave up their baby. <laughs> Did you recognize the gentleman by any chance? Yeah, I know he was from House One, um, but I don't recognize him from anything else. Uh, he was in the flashbacks as like the platoon leader in House One, which he I was did in recognize him. Field of Dreams. He's oh. Kevin Costner's dad in Field of Dreams. 
So he's seen the movie once. I'm not a big fan. Baseball guy or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, oh, good. He's getting work. You know. (laughs) By the way, I'm not a big baseball guy, so I I don't care much. Really? Oh, that's funny. Okay. All right. Except for Major League, he's gonna need a rocket up his ass to catch. Major League is fantastic, (laughs) and we will quote Major League around this household. That is the thing that has happened. We're like, oh, just a bit outside, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then we flash forward to modern day Los Angeles, same house, uh, new owner, and it is Jesse and his girlfriend, Kate, and they come in and basically the inside of this house, let's talk about this for a second. The inside of this house looks like an Aztec temple had a baby with a museum. Yep. That's, that's the most accurate way you can describe it. I mean, it's not just like Aztec themed or Aztec decorated. It is like full on Aztec temple inside this house, which is funny because the outside of the house is very much haunted mansion. Yeah. Yes. The juxtaposition is very interesting. It is very, it's it's a very interesting thing. And so uh, Jesse, Jesse walks in the house and grabs immediately grabs a, uh, a photo album and goes, that's my great, great grandfather. This movie gets to the point on everything. I mean, and and right after him pointing out his grandfather, he looks over where the skull is. He's like, oh, I think something is missing there. It's like this house is so huge and everything is so strange looking to begin with. How would you immediately point out that something is missing from that strange little seat thing? You know, this is like, that's my great, great grandfather. I'm named after him. Meanwhile, his girlfriend could not care less you know she's she's just like she, she's really concerned with the fact that like there needs to be electricity and the phone needs to work and i mean it, it also should be noted that the writer had two weeks uh to craft this ethan uh, wiley who also directed it uh, but he worked on the script on the first one with uh fred decker so you know he already had like like knowledge of it but he only had two weeks to write it and i think these are the moments where you you see that. And mm-hmm. like like you're saying how he just right. goes right into, oh, there's, and he kind of points, he's like, oh, there's my great, great, there's my grandfather. So that must be my great, great grandfather. Like they really explain things to you. Right. And we're kind of like, we know also that Kate and Jesse are very different because yeah. Kate makes the reference of like, yeah, this house is a pit, which is bananas by the way um and she immediately gets on the phone and does her business because she is a record producer question mark um record rep sure maybe (laughs) sure (laughs) and and jesse is fascinated by the house so much so that he likes to go exploring um meanwhile charlie shows up that's his best friend he runs over a planner you know in true 80s movie fashion he comes to visit. He comes to visit him uh, with a girlfriend in tow by the name of Lana, and they show up and sing him happy birthday on the front porch. Yeah, that, again, and then he gives them the the framed picture, you know. Yes. And I, I think that you're right. I think that indicates how sweet, uh, you know, Charlie probably is inside uh, when you get past the the goofy exterior. Exactly, because he is the goofy, the sort of the goofy, I'm going to throw a wrench in things, best friend, but there's a heart to this movie and there's a heart to that character, which you don't normally see in the best friend combo during this time period. Yep, agreed. I would say. Um, The next morning, (laughs) Charlie, (laughs) I never, so this is a funny scene, just because 
I, I don't walk around in my underwear in random people's houses. Like that's just not a thing I do. You know, if I'm staying at my friend's house, I'm be like, I'm going to put some jammies on. Uh, but he decides that Lana is going to dance quote in her underwear and, and some sort of top we'll call it that uh, while they play Lana's album, because she is the lead singer of puce glitz and the avoiders. <laughs> What a hell of a name. What a hell of a name, which is basically missing persons. Yeah. By the way, if you listen to, if you listen to the, the, the weird, like sort of, um, almost like Android music that's going on in the background, it's very reminiscent of missing person. And honestly, this is probably one of the very few times in the movie that I would be like a little apprehensive to maybe show my, my nine-year-old nephew. Yeah. Because there's a little bit more sex here than than you know I was I'm ever expecting. Um, not that 45 year old Corey has a problem with that, but right. I I look at it and I'm like, you know, if you actually clothed her a little differently, because a little bit, cl- just a little bit, some it, pants. It, so she dances and they play her song and they're basically playing the song so that Kate will hear it and discover her for their record company. And it's weird because Lar Park Lincoln walks in with like a disgusted look on her face and then changes to, to liking it, I guess. So like this was always one of the things where I can never quite tell from her performance if she liked the music or not, you know? Yeah, she's so she kind of has the same problem in Friday the 13th part seven. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that acting wise, yeah. she has that same you know, I, I would love to see her do a movie where she's just like smiley happy the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lord Park Lincoln. I don't know if she's my favorite part of, of Friday 13th part seven. You know what I mean? Like as a kid, I love that movie because I think it was cool with the psychic and I thought Jason looked cool. Yeah. And but as I get Hodder. older, yeah, yeah. Kane Hodder's great. Who's in this by the way, but like, yep. I, as I get older, it kind of moves down on my list of, of Friday the 13th films that I enjoy. And actually the earlier ones, like part two dramatically shoot up um, on my list. Part part two is my favorite of okay. all of all of them. Part two okay. is absolutely my favorite. I love part six. Um, I actually like part four because I feel like part four is just, you know, a straight up titty flick. Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. You yeah. know, I like part five because it's kind of sleazy and it has a huge death count, you know. Yeah, it's huge... great death count. And yeah. I, and you know what actually uh, I enjoy about part five is someone, I don't remember where I heard it or whatever, but someone proposed the idea that um Roy, the you know, the 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 Ambulance medical attendant. guy, yeah, yeah, the, he had access to all these like like steroids and and you know, adrenaline stuff, and that's how he got his superpowers from and, you know, wow. and could like withstand a bunch of damage because he was injecting like adrenaline into him that he would have. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool idea. And it kind of made Roy a little bit more interesting to me. Yeah. So Roy was a juice pig. You heard it here first, folks. There you go. Nice. <laughs> By the way, we're going to have a lot of tangents on this episode. I know it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. So he calls up her boss played by Bill Maher and tells her, you've got to get over here and see this chick. She's fantastic. Uh, meanwhile, down in the basement, um, Jesse is actually looking at pictures and he finds a picture of his great, great grandfather. 
and standing next to a man named Slim Razor, that would be our cowboy, uh, holding a skull with, is it sapphires for eyes? I th- yeah, I think so. Some kind of gems. Yeah. Some kind of gems for eyes. And he then convinces Charlie. That's what's so great about this is that it is absolutely out of this world. Like he's like, you know, there is a graveyard up at up, up in the up on the same property. We should go and dig up my great great grandfather and find this skull. Because like the the impetus behind this is Aztecs would bury their treasure yes. with the person. Ergo, mm-hmm. Ergo. my great-great-grandfather would have been buried with this skull. And he gets this information out of like a, a school textbook it's a style. school textbook, yeah. yeah. And what I, I'm with you, what I love and what my note is, Charlie Ooh. is always down to clown. He's like, I yep, love it. yep, let's I love do it. it. Yes, Charlie's like, absolutely. We're going to do it. We got to do this. Absolutely. And- you, you get a shovel, I'll get a shovel. Let's do, you know. Yeah. And I love characters that are always down for an adventure. I love those kind of characters in movies or TV shows. I, I think that's fantastic. So yeah, Charlie, sure. Why not? Love him. Love Hunt him. Absolutely. Digging up the grandpa's grave. You and, know? and, and it, I like the fact that they're both tired digging too, yeah. because it's not like, oh, we're just going to dig a little here and then we're going to find a body. It's like they're digging and then they're like, oh my God, please. I cannot do this anymore. I'm going to go yeah. take a nap. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so they do finally dig up Gramp- Gramps, but, uh, and Gramps is actually wearing this amazing like Aztec mask. I love that mask. And as a kid, it scared me. Um, And I've seen artwork. Like sometimes people will do like house to artwork and they'll incorporate Mm -hmm. that. And sometimes I forget. I'm like, where was that in the movie? And it's here. And I always kind of wish every time I watch it, I'm always like, that looks really cool. I wish it came back later in the movie somehow. Right. Right. Because it doesn't. They remove it. And then you see that Gramps is. Okay. How old is he again? A hundred and. I thought he was like, at some point he says I'm a 170 year old fart. So yes, so it's like 170 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's, you know, this is old, old, old man with kind eyes, with very kind gentle eyes. eyes. Yeah. With kind and gentle eyes. So they get him out of the, out of the coffin and they hide him down in the basement. And, um, meanwhile, Gramps is kind of like regaling them with all of these stories and, there's this great moment that it always like touches me is when Gramps catches his reflection and realizes that he is not eternally young is that he is old and falling apart. Yeah. And that's, it's a really beautiful moment. That's my note too. that scene right there. I I love that moment. Um, This movie is, you know, 80% comedy, maybe 1% horror, but it, the, the heart, the rest of it is the heart. The heart. There's a lot of heart. And this scene is one of those moments. And I think it's like these, it seems like this is why this movie stands, uh, you know, stands up after all these years. Absolutely. And though, so then he proceeds to tell Charlie and Jesse, all of these stories of, you know, and it, it's done sort of montage like where, where, you know, they're just kind of sitting there and they're fascinated and they're drinking beer and they're, you know, hanging on his every word about what's going on. And then um, at some point, okay, because there, this is where the timeline gets kind of skewy. At some time, at point, Gramps decides to throw a Halloween party. <laughs> well, 
uh, John, uh, um, I mean, Charlie did. Charlie throws yeah. the Halloween party yeah, they, and Graham. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, this movie has that because this scene here, it's like when you, if you follow it, like Lar Park Lincoln is still sleeping. Yeah. So like, like, so they went and dug grandpa up. They dug six feet down all night long. They come back and grandpa regales them. And I think immediately Charlie and grandpa go out on their little drinking yes. vendor. And I'm, it's like, yes. And Charlie, it's like, right. Charlie and Gramps decide to go out, get drunk. And, and then Charlie teaches Gramps how to drive a stick. And in, in theory, this is all the same night. night. And so later on, yeah, when that, when, when, I, you know, when the, the Halloween party happens, it's sort of the same thing. It's like, how did they not hear a whole party like getting set up and ready upstairs? <laughs> you know, um, it, it's, it, and that's, that's where the movie's kind of weird and where you can kind of see where the, the two weeks of writing it is probably on display, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's some little, there are some little moments like that, you know, but the Halloween party. So Gramps decides to dance with a cowgirl and shout out to my buddy PJ who noticed this, but the cowgirl that he dances with is none other than Silk Stockings own Mitzi Capture. Ah, there you go. Also star of angel three, you know, of the, of the angel series. I, and I know David Irons is a big angel series. I fan. know he is. <laughs> <laughs> so at the Halloween party, uh, someone, I guess Charlie, has invited one of um, Jesse's ex-girlfriends by the name of Rochelle. Rochelle is dressed as a sexy maid, and she is just a thirst trap. Oh my God, she, she is, wants she, she wants Charlie Jesse. Jesse. She she wants Jesse so bad. <laughs> it's wild <laughs> it is it is totally wild i mean she is just you know mwah, 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 you know just getting her lipstick all over him and he's just and he really just is not phased by it at all like he's just kind of like i'm just more concerned with my grandfather dancing my great-great-grandfather dancing over there and i hope he doesn't break a hip you know <laughs> i just i just love how this movie proposes a reality where Ari Gross just has women just literally just tripping over themselves to, to themselves get over amazing. Him, you know? <laughs> he just tells her he's like um I need to go take care of this hold this trash and she's like yeah. okay <laughs> and, and of course like Bill Maher sees this and then goes and like immediately tattletales oh he's and I'm terrible like, in this I'm movie like, oh my god such a piece of crap he's dude. such a garbage human like yeah. you immediately see him and he like kind of taps Kate on the shoulder and he was like Kate, we need to go talk. Um, and basically, you know, clues her into the fact that there's this woman that's like falling all over, falling all over uh Jesse. And she immediately gets this is this is basically designed like Rochelle is only there so that Kate will be pissy and leave. Yeah, because ultimately the Rochelle character kind of i think ultimately she's done dirty overall because clearly she 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 has a thing for jesse yeah and he kind of just brushes her aside every moment that he sees her until she just fades away from the script because there's just no further use for her i know it's too bad because jay modine is fantastic i i love spring spring break is absolutely bar none one of my favorite like 80s florida you know titties like it's just crazy like i love i love spring break and i i love her in that i think she's a fantastic lead in that and so yeah so this this was kind of like eh but i heard that she did this as a favor to sean s cunningham 
Okay. Because Shauna Cunningham had done yep. spring break, so they knew each other. And so she came in and, you know, day player. She just decided she was going <clears> to <throat> help out. Yeah. So, Speaking of uh, Florida movies, you ever seen uh, Nightmare Beach? You know what? Oh, oh, also known as um spring spring break something. I can't remember. Yeah, what it's... Oh, welcome to spring break. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> have never seen it. And it used to be on USA Up All Night all the time. <laughs> I, I picked up the Kino. Just I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'll, it was like, you know, eight bucks or something. Right. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'd never okay. seen it before. Yeah, I'll it was a good time. It. Yeah. Saxton is in it. So, you know, John Saxton's it. in it. Yeah, you can't you can't go wrong with Saxton. You just can't, yeah. you know. Um, meanwhile, something very strange happens. A door opens on the second floor, and there's a jungle in there. <laughs> because each one of these rooms in this house has an alternate universe. Sure. Which is Why not? fascinating. Why not? I yeah. got no beef with it. It's the 80s. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so out out of this jungle alternate universe, a Stonehenge man appears, runs downstairs, disrupts the party, steals the skull, <laughs> and then goes back up to the jungle. And what's amazing is I think that I, I forgot his name, but I think he's he played a uh, Buzz Buzzsaw in The Running Man. He's in The um, Running Man. He's yeah. huge. He's a huge dude. Um, he's so big. Then he makes Kane Hodder look small. I know. So we mentioned that Kane Hodder has a cameo in this because apparently he was the stunt coordinator. So Kane Hodder is the guy in the gorilla outfit who takes his gorilla mask off and then like gets into a fight with this big dude that gets thrown over a balcony, which it's just land, lands perfectly. Lands and perfectly. When did when did Kane Hodder get burned? Because he looks so young in this. Like you can tell he's he's, he's young, but he has the burns. Uh, you can see yeah, them and everything. So I've read his autobiography, and from what I remember, I believe that those that the burns and that whole situation happened in the late seventies. Oh, okay, okay. I so when you know when we were younger, the internet isn't wasn't there and everything. I was always under the assumption that it was in uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Seven when the furnace hits him from behind. But maybe no. that might have been a story that he got a little burned from that, but it wasn't major. No, he actually got burned because he was doing a fire stunt. Um, he was, and he this is by his own admission, he was yeah. showing off for a reporter. He's in the middle of doing like a, like um this person was interviewing him as being a stunt person. Yeah. And he was like, oh, he goes, well, let me show you this fire stunt. And he did it and it went horribly wrong because wow. um I believe uh, if, if my memory is correct, that the winds, the winds were going and he didn't, he, he didn't anticipate that it would be that windy that yeah. day. And it just like a fuck Chernobyl just poof. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, yeah. man. But um, now, otherwise, Kane Hodder's awesome. And we all love him. He's he's horror royalty. Oh, yeah. Major shout out to that autobiography. If you ever get to watch it or even his documentary to hell and back. He's amazing. He okay. is a wonderful person to meet in person. Um, we, we sat and talked for a good 30 minutes about being bullied as kids. He got bullied because he was too small. I got bullied because I was fat. I mean, we, we had this very wonderful conversation and he took the time to talk to me and he's just fantastic i love kane hotter yeah that's that's fantastic yeah he's just great um meanwhile okay so so charlie and jesse uh are beckoned by gramps to go into the jungle and get the skull because if the skull falls into the wrong hands 
as Graham says, it could be disastrous. And this is interesting because this is almost this movie. If you follow the, you know, uh, the hero's journey, they almost have two calls to adventures. You know, for the yes. first one is to dig up grandpa. The second call to adventure is um, this one chasing the barbarian into the prehistoric land. So yep. it's, it's kind of interesting that there's two of them. And then, and then before they go in there, Charlie, Charlie, like he says, I've been, I've been wanting to use this. I've been keeping it in my car and it's an Uzi because Uzis were huge in the eighties. Yes, of course. Looks like my inner tech uh, Uzi water gun that I had back in the day. And fantastic. Uh, He's just of like, course he has on, an Uzi. of let's course he do does. This. Yep. <laughs> Go into the jungle. So they end up fighting. Well, uh, Charlie ends up fighting the one, the one dude. And then, um, and they are triumphantly, they, they find the skull and they do that awesome eighties thing where they hold the skull up on top of their heads. And they're like, we did it. And at that exact moment, a pterodactyl, you heard this correct, ladies and gentlemen, a pterodactyl comes and swoops and grabs the skull. It's fantastic. I love the prehistoric era. I yep. love the stop motion monsters oh, that you see, the dinosaurs. Super Harryhausen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I love and it. It should, it should be noted the director uh, worked for ILM. So I think he called in a lot of his uh, people and stuff like that because he worked on uh, a lot of the creature stuff on Return of the Jedi and whatnot. So I think that's why we see a lot of stuff like the the Caterpuppy and, th- and, and the, the, the weird dodo pterodactyl thing. Which yeah, the I love. dodo. Love yeah, it all. Exactly. Dodo bird slash pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah. Love it all. I love, I love all their little pets that they acquire. They're, they're, they're growing family. Yeah. Oh God. We'll get to, that's one yeah. of my favorite scenes, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But yeah, the, um, so the skull is swept away by the pterodactyl. Jesse decides to climb a tree because he's got to get the skull back, climbs got the to. tree. And he's trying to get this skull away from this baby pterodactyl. And I swear to God, it is like trying to brush Murphy. <laughs> like when I try to brush my puppy, it's just I, 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 just a lot of biting. <laughs> so, so finally, Jesse just decides, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take the whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to grab this baby pterodactyl with the skull in its mouth. And then he falls backwards and Charlie's going to catch him, which of course doesn't happen. Of course not. <laughs> He's yeah. like, catch me, try. I got you. I got, like, you. I got you. I buddy. misses him by a foot a foot he's like i got you you know uh, no <laughs> so and i love i i just think it's such a cool thing because when he when jesse crashes into the ground it's technically the ceiling of the basement of the so that he comes crashing into the basement where gramps is just sitting there he's like why didn't you take Did you the stairs why did you use the stairs yeah exactly i'm just like this is great like this is the shit this is where it's like this is where it's firing on on all cylinders, and I yes. think this is the this is the humor that just really really works right here. Absolutely, and I I love this because you know Gramps is there, the baby pterodactyl has at this point scampered up the stairs and is going playing keep away with the skull basically, um, but Charlie's brought a friend because. Yeah. Uh, someone is nibbling on his leg and he thinks he's being eaten alive by some ferocious animal <laughs> when in fact it is a caterpuppy, a combination caterpillar puppy dog. And it is so adorable. And it is the reason why I truly have nothing but love for this film. I, I think it's probably the single most iconic image 
um, from this movie. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say the poster as much as I love the poster because it's a, it's an ape on on the first one. Yeah. It um, is. Mm-hmm. And I want to I would say that probably the, the first house movie poster is the most iconic aspect of, of that. Yeah. Um, but here the catter puppy was everywhere and it was a part of the marketing, too. And I think rightfully so. Um, yeah. I wanted know. to get a catter puppy, but they're like fifteen hundred dollars. Oh, are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I wanted to get the ghoulie, the ghoulie that comes out of the yeah. toilet and ghoulies. Yeah. Also a thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, also the most iconic image from that yes, series. From as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So Gramps explains to them that every room in the house has a different, is a different alternate universe, is a different dimension. And uh meanwhile, Gramps decides to raise Caterpuppy by feeding by feeding Caterpuppy beer out of a baby bottle. Why not? So awesome. And uh, then Gramps decides to play a little joke with the, is it a Lazy Susan? What is that thing called? Where there's a trap door and it flips. Oh, no, no. Lazy Susan, what you put on your table, that round thing that you can put like condiments on and roll it around. Yeah, Yeah, it's like a trap door type of thing. Yeah. So Gramps decides to play a trick on Jesse and uh, he he does like the switch he he switches back and forth and unfortunately on the other side of that door is a very drunk slightly scantily clad rochelle and as, standing and, like- and yeah and she's standing which is very strange and then at the same moment that the sh- that she appears bill maher and kate both see what is bill maher's name in this movie john yeah <laughs> piece of crap probably right. it's garbage <laughs> yeah garbage you know, human um, and first off first off if i was jesse getting grilled by bill maher in my own home home no no bro no no right. you take that shit outside no you and can't s- and second going back to our discussion about the time in this movie's wonky this wonky. is still technically like the, the same, same night. night as the party and that party <laughs> is gone it's gone there's yeah. trash everywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 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 uh so Kate is done. Kate is fucking yeah. done. She's packed her shit. She's probably gonna go have sex with Bill Maher at a hotel. God, you know, God forbid. So she disappears, she's out. She storms out with with uh Charlie's uh, uh girlfriend too, and uh yep. yeah, and Bill Maher all in that car and all in the, uh, all, in the all in the car. Just, just whoop, yeah, done. now now it's just a bachelor pad, <laughs> three it's bachelors. Bachelor pad. It's just Gramps and Jesse and Charlie. And their little family and, and their um, menagerie, <laughs> their little menagerie of people, of little, of little creatures and stuff. So, oh, so that night Gramps goes downstairs to put the skull back into its holder on the mantle and he gets strangled. Well, not fully strangled, but choked out by huh, an Aztec warrior. I- well, I was gonna say he he got bushwhacked because that's what he calls it by thirty guys. It was three, right, but it's not. It's one dude, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's which is that's the humor is also great because later he's like it was thirty of them. Like, oh. I couldn't see it, anything. And yeah. the, the the main guy of of the those warriors is uh Gil Birmingham. Um, he he's a Native American actor. Um, mm-hmm. who is uh, uh fantastic, but he was in Wind River. Um, if you've ever seen Wind River, is a an amazing uh thriller movie so good yep and i think if memory serves me correctly he is either on yellowstone or longmire sometimes Um, i interchange the two (laughs) i'm on imdb right now and he's on yellowstone (laughs) okay there we go (laughs) yeah 
so yes so the main guy so they choke poor gramps they choke poor gramps out and he falls to the floor and the catter puppy comes and whines and tries to <laughs> nudge him with his nose which is yeah. oh you know like I'm just, <laughs> this is where aaron starts crying as I a little know. girl yeah so Jesse wakes him up and says, "Um, you know, okay, you're you're laying on the floor." And Gramps is on the floor all night. All like, night, he was knocked out cold. Completely knocked out cold with the cat or puppy just hanging out. Um, and then the next morning, he finds Gramps on the floor and he's like, "Oh my god!" And at that exact moment, we meet John ja- Ratzenberger. <laughs> Love it. I mean, everything he's bringing on screen is a hundred percent i love it all the little subtle things when he knocks over the lamp he's like ah, oh, don't worry that didn't look that didn't look he, very expensive he, that didn't look very expensive and then he takes he 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 takes the end of his screwdriver and he hits the he hits the light bulb and it smashes he goes must be foreign made <laughs> so good all of it's so good he doesn't like he doesn't break a beat he just keeps on moving to the next thing and uh yeah and you know as a kid i didn't see where it was going but Mm -hmm. this is this is my favorite sort of section of the movie a movie that feels it's a it's a vignette movie it basically the characters move from one vignette to another absolutely and this is my favorite vignette yeah Absolutely. So, uh, Bill, Bill Tanner electrician is not just any kind of electrician. He is also an adventurer and he finds an alternate universe in the wall. <laughs> He's got no problems with it. He's like, oh, it's what you got here. And what you have, you know? and he says, yeah, I see this at these old houses, you know, He's like, <laughs> looks like you got yourself an alternate universe. Yeah. And, and it's said so deadpan and so seriously, and it's just perfect. It's yeah. just so perfect. Of course, at this moment, Charlie decides to like lose his balls because he's like, I'm not going in there. Skull, yeah, fuck it. Gramps can get his own damn skull. He's like, won't go in there. Um, so then they finally they, you know, they're like, okay, they all go in and they find that there is a Aztec ceremony going on where they are going to sacrifice a virgin, something that Charlie has never seen. <laughs> He's never seen one of those before. And this is such a great set. I, I think the set is really cool. Um, I also like that that Bill does this little, you know, um, labyrinthy thing where he he leaves a little spindle of string behind so they can get their way out. It, it's it's like nice touch. Yeah, it was like it, it wasn't necessary. Like of, of right. the things that that the script does wrong, where like we don't really know what the time is on things. Right. It'll do something incredibly thoughtful like that. Absolutely. And, and even Charlie calls it out. Or I think Jesse calls it out. He's like at the end of it, he's like, I don't know how to get out of here. He's like, oh, just follow the string. Follow the and string. It's like, it's like, you didn't need that. They all could have just ran out and been fine. You know? Exactly. But I thought exactly. that was cool. So they, they battle this group of Aztecs. They rescue the princess <laughs> played by playmate June of 85, Miss Devin DeVasquez, uh, mm-hmm. mute in this role because she does not speak at all. Um, they rescue her. They get out through the they 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 get the skull they re- they get out through the wall and um and they they shake hands with Bill Tanner and he gives them his card and it says electrician adventurer Fantastic. so good oh my so god good. love it so uh so the next scene which is uh, it's like my favorite scene but it's also not my favorite scene at the same time is um is family dinner. Yeah. They're all sitting around the family dinner. It's the, you know, the, the mute princess, um, the baby pterodactyl, 
the Caterpuppy, Gramps, Charlie, and Jesse. <clears throat> and he goes to uncover what looks like a pot roast and it's Slim Razor. Yeah. And he shoots Gramps square in the stomach. Oh, gut shot. That's oh, the worst. so awful. I, and, and the only reason I know it's the worst is because of in Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, I, minor complaint. I have very few complaints about this movie. I mm -hmm. wish we saw Slim more because we technically only have like 20 minutes left in the movie at this point where sort of Slim, he's, he's in the beginning, but I wish he would have been a bit more of a, uh, a staple, you know, as a protagonist throughout the movie. Uh -huh. um, or I just at least wanted to see him maybe directing the barbarian to go get the, the skull oh. and everything, you know, but I think we're led to believe like with the barbarian and, and the, the Aztec people is that the, 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 the skull just calls to you. Right. And these were just yeah. different people, but I just, I kind of wish that slim had more of a hand as a, as an antagonist of this movie. Yeah. Cause he kind of just shows up at the very beginning and then he pretty much owns the last like 15 or 20 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because he's fantastic. And it, you know, the design of them, is great because it looks similar to Gramps, but in a completely different way. It looks scary versus nice and sweet, um, but they feel like they're a part of the same universe. Like the design mm -hmm. isn't so different from one another. Um, I love the bullet hole in his head that Gramps, you know, gave him. He always has that there. That's right in his yep. forehead. It's really cool. I like um, his skeleton horse. His skeleton. Yes, I put that in the notes too. His skeleton horse, his stop motion skeleton horse is fantastic. Fantastic. And I mean, I just, I'm a sucker for, for Westerns and especially like horror Westerns. So if you can give me a zombie cowboy, a, a zombie gunslinger, I mean, sold, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Jesse just, just, so with Gramps laid up with this bullet wound, uh, he tells, you know, he tells Jesse, you got to go get the skull. The Slim's got the skull. So Jesse gets his does he get his gun he gives him his gun right gives him his gun yeah so you gotta it, i mean it's it's star wars you know you gotta have passed down the 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 laser yep. sword you know and all this kind of stuff you, yep. and it's also the hero's journey your mentor has right. to die the the, the, uh. the old the old wizard always has to die so that the hero can step up and and i mean it's it's like 101, know. you know, and it's great. I mean, I and, and it works because, I mean, these, these tropes work because they work, you know, and, and right. they're in this movie because they work. Right. So Jesse goes and fights Slim and there's this, you know, goes, goes into, goes into cowboy world, goes into Western world, basically. My, my least favorite vignette. Yeah, mine too. Oh my God. That's so funny. You should say that. Yeah. No. Cause it's, that's my, the last like sort of 15 minutes of this movie. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> and, and I like it when the fight comes back into the house. I yes, like when that. they bring the fight back into the house and but they're fighting, and and at some point someone has called the cops. Yeah, because of all the shooting and everything. Of all the shooting. Yeah. Um, and the cops have shown up, and you know, Slim's firing. You know, Slim's firing guns. Jesse's firing guns. The cops don't know who's firing what. They're firing guns into the house. It's this insane, crazy time, and finally. Slim gets his head blown off. Basically. Yeah, I mean Jesse does it. I mean he, he probably, like shoots him like three times in the head, just blows. It's great. It's fantastic. Yep. And the cops take care of the work, take care of the rest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and then Gramps is Gramps has passed. You know, and and just because they got the skull doesn't mean Gramps is going to live. 
Um, and and Gramps, you know, wants him, wants Jesse to use the skull. How you know he's had his time. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, he it's says okay. I've had my time with the skull, and now you go and you accomplish what you want to with the skull, and then you just get rid of it. Yeah, and and the what I another thing that I just love about this movie is. You know, Jesse has to escape the house. You know, the cops, like, how, how is he going to get out of this? You know, with yeah. all the cops outside shooting and Alternate stuff. universe, baby. Just go, or into the past, whatever it is. Yes. And it's so cool that that now at the end of the movie, you know, Jesse, he they buries his grandpa because he carries him out with him. Uh, don't think he should have put the skull on top of the pile because that's just going to get found, but that's was, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of like, oh, they're really leaving that one open, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. but, but here you have, you know, Jesse, Charlie, uh, the, the princess, mm-hmm. um, the catter puppy and, uh, the pterodactyl, the baby pterodactyl all like living in the, the wild west or wherever they are. And I'm like, yeah. so this is the, this is a TV show that I want. Like, right, I want to I see know. the further adventures of where it, this goes. It turns into an episode of sliders, <laughs> right? You know, like, or something that could be just as easy as uh Briscoe County junior, you know, with oh, Bruce Campbell Briscoe or something. County junior. Yeah. I love Briscoe County junior. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, what did, what an ending, what an, in yeah. he could have easily had him just walk into the white light and not knowing that would have been fact it. Fact that we, but the fact that we know, I'm like, that's so cool. Now I want to see that story. And, and, yeah. you know, we don't get it because house three, three and house four are, are also like standalone movies. You know, that's the course of this franchise essentially. Yeah. And house three is basically shocker with different cast. Yeah. And house three isn't even called house three. It's called the, no, what, the horror, it's called show, the horror right? show. Yeah. And so we have a house four, but there is no, there's technically no house three because the horror show is house three. Exactly. And it's not, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's. It, I've never you, seen three or four. You don't need to either. That's what I hear. That's <laughs> what I hear. No house three is shocker, but with shitty music because it doesn't have the cool soundtrack. That they, yeah. So, yeah. all right. So you watch the documentary. And I did some deep diving. Um, I found out that uh, Royal Dano had recently undergone a quadruple bypass and no one would insure him yeah. to do this movie. Yeah, that's that's wild. So, yeah, he did that, you know, post the, you know, that just that just shows his 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 dedication because he's fantastic. And he doesn't he doesn't look like an old man that's just had a quadruple bypass. Like he doesn't act that way when he, when he acts, he still has a lot Mm -hmm. of life in him. No, absolutely not. Um, So this came out in 1987, uh, August of 87. It was made for 3 million, but it made 10 million, Mm -hmm. but it was still lambasted by uh, critics. They hate it. Yeah. Um, Which fuck critics. Um, It was before this movie so the reason they made house two is because house one was actually the most profitable new world movie at that time so they were like yeah go make a house two yeah and then they yeah they got internet like so they got paid by international people like with house two like the distribution rights i think my takeaway from sean cunningham is he's pretty good about finding money behind the scenes for things and kind of like you know, parlaying a success Agreed. here into like the next movie and stuff, but they couldn't bring back any of the original cast because it would have been too expensive. Yeah. Um. And and you know, and he also only had like two weeks, you know, for the writer uh, to Wiley to write this and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's it's. I know Sean Cunningham kind of has a you know a bit a bit of a past and everything in Hollywood, but I think he's he's a pretty shrewd businessman in my opinion. 
Absolutely. I mean, he's, you know, he, he brought, he's brought us a lot of really great, entertaining, somewhat, somewhat controversial, you know, movies, you know, yeah. with like Last House on the Left and everything. So he's, and, and he's like the, he's behind the scenes and all that, you know? Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. So really good. Um, let's see. Did you find out anything else that we didn't? Um, I, I didn't watch it's little things like, Hey, uh, Lar Park Lincoln, when she's storming out of the house, she didn't have one of her contacts in and she, cause she cut her cornea. Uh, and so she almost tripped and fall, but it was all there. It, it was stuff like that. Um, you know, Jonathan Starr talking about working with, with everybody and whatnot. It's, you know, it was, it's better than those crappy featurette uh, uh, behind the scenes that you saw back in the nineties on DVDs, oh, you know, the worst. Yeah. I, I hate those. Um, it's all just, you know, they were all just jerking off. Oh, the director's so great. This person's so great. Yeah. It, it wasn't the best uh, documentary, but it did, you know, it was okay. And it's an hour long, so you can kind of ingest it. You know, talked about the director's um, history with ILM and, mm-hmm. and you know, how he basically uh, hired his boss to do the special, his old boss to do the special effects on on this movie. Um, and in some of the old guys from ILM and stuff like that, they obviously worked at a lower rate and things like that because wow. they were friends. And I, the biggest takeaway from this movie is that I, it's like, it was a labor of love between friends, you know, love and, it. and, you know, and yes, Laura Park Lincoln, you know, uh, uh, she auditioned and, you know, everyone auditioned and stuff like the actors and things, but I, I kind of got the sense that on set, it was everybody pulling together to, to make this movie that I think even to, to today, it doesn't get as much love as some of these, other weird 80s movies that people sort of have gravitated towards this is this one feels to me like it still falls into that cult category mm-hmm. when people see it they're like oh i love that movie but they don't talk about it much when it's not in front of their eyes do you yeah. know what i mean that's true that's true it's one of the reasons like i really wanted to do this was because i knew that you were excited about it and i love this movie and so i but i but a lot of my friends don't really have that kind of love for it it's more like oh I saw that as a kid and I liked it or you know but it's different when it's someone who has seen this movie and and actually you know really really like has a passion for it yeah it's a totally different deal and it's weird because I was thinking about it today and I was like you know I think I've seen this more this movie more times than I probably think off the top of my head you know what I mean like I think I've only seen it like twice but I think I've actually seen it like five six or seven times you know yeah I mean, I wrote that breakdown completely from memory. <laughs> That's why there was like little parts there where I was like, oh shit, I forgot about this. But like, for the most part, I wrote it from memory because I I just, I remembered it and was like, okay, I, you know, yeah. so and, yeah. And, you know, part of like sort of how I view movies and I know you're, you're a bit different. You like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. I personally uh, uh, don't, I mean, even with like some of my favorite movies like Aliens and stuff like that, I don't look into the behind the scenes stuff because I like, I like to talk about what's on screen. I don't like to talk about the movie we didn't get. I like to talk about, ah. you know, what we have. And I also like to world build. So I like to kind of figure out like, okay, what, what is this character thinking here? I don't really quite care like what the writer's thinking. I'm trying to figure out like what the character is thinking and stuff like that. And this movie is so ripe to kind of let your head just kind of your imagination just go wild with it and and just have fun with it when you're watching it you can kind of you know it's 
some movies I just let wash over me and some movies I'm an active like participant in. This mm-hmm. is one of those movies where like I'm an active participant. participant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Oh cool. What's, you know, what's that creature supposed to be? And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. And I don't know. I just, it kind of, it fills me with, with just imagination, you know, this, this movie. I love that. I love that. So wrapping things up is okay. Shout outs. I don't have anybody to shout out today, but do you have anything that you would like to promote or where can people find you if they want to stalk you on social media? Sure. Of course. I, well, I'm always, uh, you can always find me on podcasting after dark. Uh, main thing I'd like to promote is uh, go check out the Jonathan Stark interview. I'm really proud of that one. Really proud that we, we, we got to talk to him. He doesn't, he does not do a lot of interviews. And uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, and we do talk about house too and everything. So uh, go, go check that out. Go check out podcasting after dark. Um, you can find me on Instagram podcasting after dark. You can also find me on Instagram at Corey nation. Um, that's I I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm not really on Facebook or any, I'm not on Twitter at all. <laughs> that's kind of the only social media I'm on is, is Instagram, but I'll, I, I reply to comments and stuff like that. I'm pretty active on there. So very, very cool. And you guys can always find manic movie Monday on Instagram or on Facebook or sometimes on Twitter. If I'm really bored. But for the most part, <laughs> you will most likely find me on Instagram and we post, um, we post a lot, but we drop episodes every other Monday. So stay manic, my buddies. <laughs> and we'll catch you on the dark side. Catch you on the dark side. Thank you so much for coming on my show, Corey. Thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for giving me a forum to uh, talk about house Two. really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for all the love that you've given podcasting after dark as well. And it, guys and gals, you know, you know what's going on over there. So th- thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Perfect. House of Fire. Walk through my door